Well, good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Allie, if it is your first time. I'm our Women's Ministry Director, and I'm so grateful to be here with you this morning, albeit, uh, you know, my father is actually the lead pastor here, and with his permission, um, he has COVID and has been at home in recovery, so would love prayer, continued prayer over him as he um, is healing. I know that there are a lot of people here who are affected by that right now in our church family and extended family from those people. And I just want to acknowledge you, if you're at home watching this, there are people in the room, the, the few, the proud, the faithful, the, the well, actually. <laughs> so thank you for staying home. I um, just want to say um, welcome online as well, and I'm so grateful to get the opportunity, and happy Reformation Day. You. <laughs> Aha, you thought Halloween for sure. Uh, Happy Reformation Day. It was actually the day that Martin Luther nailed the 95 Thesis on the door, and that's where the Protestant Reformation happened on what we say Halloween. So hallelujah for that. I saw on on Twitter somebody put uh, at all churches they needed to nail 95 Reeses on the door. Come on, you guys. I love church history humor. Anyways, um, but has any of you heard the term mind the gap? Have any of you been to London and seen that in the tube station? Mind the gap? Okay, so if you have it, or if you have, it looks a little something like this. And in London, or all across the UK, whenever you're going to travel on the tube, as they call it, the metro, whatever you might call it, um, there is a space between the platform and the train, and it reads, mind the gap. I went to school in London for a semester in college, and so I got really used to hearing this. So not only do you see it in front of you, but there's actually an audible, um, she's a woman, she comes over and she says, please mind the gap between the train and the platform. That's like stuck in your head forever. You're like, if you ever say that, you're like, please, okay. And so I was there um, 11 years ago, I'm aging myself also, you know, my birthday's next Saturday and I am Going to be 33. Going to be my Jesus year, y'all. Okay. (laughs) And so actually when I was there, Dr. Dan and my dad came and visited me. um, And that's, look at them. Besties back then too. Okay. And Dr. Dan had his map because he always wanted to get there the most efficient way. He's a researcher in all things, you guys, all things. And that is my dad to the right. And actually (laughs) I had a good, I had a picture with my dad where he actually is looking I am not, I'm a mess. But can you just see Dr. Dan in the background still studying? (laughs) As I was looking through these pictures, I was like, I have to share this. I wouldn't normally share it other places, but I have to share it with our church fam because we all go back a ways. And if you knew my life then, you would have never guessed that I'd actually be here preaching to you today because my life at 22 was a disaster and a mess. But through God's redemption, through his grace and his forgiveness, I'm standing here today and I get to talk to you about this concept of minding the gap because wouldn't that just be so nice in life if someone came over the intercom and just said, please mind the gap between your expectations and reality. Yeah. You know, like when it's coming and, and so often whenever our expectations aren't matching our reality, we tend to lose hope. We tend to get confused and we're wondering what's happening. God, why did you allow this? Even in this last week, as so many things as, uh, I know I'm sharing a little bit about me, but whenever 
my dad got sick last week. I actually had to fill in at a wedding, which I kind of shared last week as well, which Heath and Sid are still, I was going to shout them out today, but they're still on their honeymoon. Like, how dare they? Like, church is happening, you know? (laughs) But we're so excited for them. And then to jump in and preach. And what you have to come back to is this verse. And if you were here last week, I shared this verse that has been one of my life verses. And we're going to be, I'm going to be preaching from this verse today. And it is Romans 15, 13. And it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you do what? Trust in him. And other um, translations, it says, believe in him to have faith in him. As you trust who he is, you will be filled with all joy and peace. And I don't know about you, but lately I've had anxiety rise up. I've had those pieces of being like, God, what's going on? And I had to come back to this verse and saying, no, you are the God of hope. And in all things, I can trust you because you've done it then and you'll do it again. He's not gonna start with failing you, by the way. He's going to come through, and he's going to come through, and he's going to come through. So hope, what does hope mean? Hope, in my definition, is this. It says confident expectation of good things to come based in God's unchanging character. And we might use hope, like how many, use it, how many of you use the phrase, hope you have a good day? I do it in texts pretty much every day of my life, and I always think of this. I'm like, that's not actually what hope means. So a lot of times we think that hope equals, like what we're actually saying when we say, I hope you have a good day, Sharon, is like, I'm wishing you a good day. I'm desiring that you have a good day. But hope is based in the eternal and only in God. So may the God of hope, the God who is eternal, fill you with joy and peace as you trust in the one who is the anchor for our souls. So what happens is whenever... We have these things in life and we're like, yes, this God of hope. And maybe you don't know this God of hope. Do you know this God of hope? And I would challenge you to get away and to read your scriptures. One of the the ways that I learn who God is, is in scripture, whenever I'm reading, especially in the Psalms, if I'm reading, I start to write out all of God's characteristics. God, you are my refuge. You are my deliverer. You are my hope. You are my fortress. You are my refuge. You are these things. And so we can hold on to the hope that God is these things then, now, and always. But what happens is in that second piece of that verse, where it says he will fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him, I think that's where we can get a little off course sometimes. And not because we're trying to, but because of circumstances that have come our way where we're like, okay, God, I I had this expectation that my life would look a certain way. I had an expectation of the way that 2020 was supposed to go, anybody. And now here we are 18 months later still in this mess, but with hopefully light coming at the end of this tunnel, but we don't know. So there's this expectation of how our life should go, or our plans, and then there's the reality. Have you been to a restaurant and you see a picture of how good that food looks? And so you order it because you're like, wow, 
That's what I want. And then it comes in front of you and they're like, that was not the picture. No, that was not at all like what I was expecting. Your expectation was the picture, but the reality was the food that's in front of you. And then what do you do when you go back to that restaurant? If (laughs) you go back to that restaurant, you lower your expectations. You don't trust the pictures are going to be the way that your food comes out. Or we live in this world of Instagram versus reality where we're always like, oh, this is smiling, this is my great family. Or you come to church and you're like, woohoo. And then, but right before in the car, you're yelling at all of your children, you're yelling at your spouse, you're like, I don't have either of those, so maybe I'm yelling at the person coming, literally driving. I actually did this the other day. I was like, I was on my way to preach and I was like, move, uh, I gotta go preach, you know? And I was like, oh, Lord, where did that come from, you know? But then I show up and I'm like, hey, <laughs> this Instagram versus reality that we've been stuck in, but the, the middle between expectation of what we think God should do, God, how God should do things, and then we look at our reality and it's nothing like it, it breeds and it can breed doubt if we don't come back to the fact that he is our hope, he is our anchor. He is our life source. If we, if we move away from that, what happens in the in-between, in the gap between expectation and reality is a bunch of fear, doubt, anxiety, depression. And that's what we're gonna address today because what I'm sensing in the church as a whole, as I've been speaking to other people and, and what's how they're feeling, I believe that the enemy is using this moment in time to wear down the church. To be like, you're too tired. It's not looking like you expected. It's so hard to go online and in person, who's sick, who's not sick, that we're making all these decisions and we're like, we can't trust anybody. The government said that we should be out 15 days after this thing started. (laughs) Like 700 days ago a gap between what they said and what actually happened. Now, they're trying to project those things the best they know how, but what happens is you start to doubt when they say anything. That's what happens in our lives. This gap between expectation and our reality can breed an unbelievable amount of doubt. And what happens when we're doubting is we become hopeless. Yet in this verse, it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace so that you may overflow with what? Hope. So if those are the bookends, then there's a lot that happens right here in the middle that has to play out and we have to go back to to be the people of hope that we're actually called to be. And it says in Proverbs 13, 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. So when you're hopeless, it's hard to trust anyone. When you're hopeless, it's hard to see the light. When you're hopeless, it's hard to see the eternal. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust and believe in him. That's a faith matter. And Hebrews 11:1 it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So really, faith is hope in action. So if you believe you have this eternal hope, then you have confidence to move forward. Even if you don't see it, you can keep moving. And you know that he's still working even when you can't see it, as we sang earlier. This faith 
But like fear and faith, I think a lot of times we talk about faith in the church and fear and faith actually occupy the same space. And so it's not like you have faith over here and fear over here. I really, I really see it as like, okay, if one, like almost like two different colors, like if one's going up, one's going down. Like there's a certain amount. And so how many of you have been skydiving? Yes, okay, there gets to be a point where you have to have more faith that that parachute's gonna open than fear to actually jump out the side of that door. I'm telling you, and I know I've talked about skydiving before, but like when, <laughs> you can have as much faith as you think you do, but when you're up 13,000 feet above the earth and everything is this little, and they open that door, and that cold air hits your face, you're like, what am I doing for fun? And not only for fun, I paid to do this. Like what? Why did I put my money in this? To speak to someone, if you're in a relationship or in a marriage, you had to have more faith that this could possibly work out to actually make that first connection than fear that it would never happen. See, we all make choices out of what we expect could happen, out of hope that maybe this relationship could end up in marriage. Out of those spaces, we decide to step out in faith instead of letting fear keep us here. I just preached to myself on that one. Wow. Okay. I guess I should start dating people. All right. <laughs> but what happens and what I've seen is, is that in the middle of the gap of please mind the gap between your expectation versus reality, what happens in the gap if we're not this person that's always like, yes, we're going to hope, we're going to trust, we're going to be people of peace and, and joy. And what happens in the gap is we do two things. And the first thing, and two options, the first thing I want to talk to you about is that we fill the gap. I don't have it on the screen, but it's fill the gap, F-I-L-L, -L, fill the gap. And a lot of times what happens when we try to fill this gap that's happening, we bring in external things. This doubt leads us to start to control. And we see the Israelites do this. We see them do this in Exodus. And so here's God, he comes in and he like delivers them after 400 years of slavery. And he's providing for them. They go through the Red Sea. He parts the Red Sea. They go through the Red Sea. He drowns all the army behind them. They get to the other side, and then they're hungry, and then they're thirsty, and God provides food. God provides water. God provides for them every step of the way, and then Moses goes up to the mountain to spend 40 days with God, and then the people start complaining. They're like, where's Moses? Where did he go? Well, Moses was getting the Ten Commandments, y'all. Like, he was doing something kind of important, and uh, every, all the Israelites are back there just grumbling, being like, where is, where is God? Where is Moses? Because they were so dependent on Moses instead of God himself. And in Exodus 32, 1, we're going to be there if you want to tap or turn to Exodus 32. It reads this, it says, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. And Aaron answered, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters were wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took 
what they handed him and made it into an idol cast into the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Israel or out of Egypt. So he's saying like, here's your God. Your God is not coming through for you like you thought he would. Your God has left you. Your God isn't present. Your God isn't here. You're expecting your God to do all of these things, yet he's not meeting your expectations and your reality is he left us. Where did Moses go? Well, we have to find a God to replace it. They fill the void. They fill the gap. Have you ever found yourself doing this when you're waiting on God to move? to fill it with some other type. And I don't think, I actually don't think that a lot of us would word it as we're filling it with another God, another idol. But personally, in my own life, I've gotten to this place. So in college, I was abused and I was, didn't tell people about it. And I had this expectation of what my life was supposed to be like. I never expected, obviously, that wouldn't be something you would expect, but my reality looked different than my expectation. And whenever I felt that gap, I was like, God, how could you? And so where did you go? Where were you? And I just started to fill this gap with anything that made me feel like I had some type of joy, which was not truth. So I filled it with alcohol. I would fill it with guys. I would fill that in any way, shape, or form, going out, working out. Became this God to me because I was like, God, I don't know where you are, but I've got to have something to hold on to, to fill this void because you didn't do what I thought you should do. Maybe some of you got married because you felt like, I needed to just get married instead of wait for the person that God had for you. Now, God is a miracle working God, so he can make beautiful things out of anything. Hallelujah. Anybody got a testimony on that one? Politics. Church. Be careful to not make that your God. Now, God can use the government and we can actually be a part of it. But when we start looking to politics to do the very thing in our country that only God can do, we put too much faith in politics and none enough faith in God. And what are we in? We're in this fear-filled land. We're putting our faith and our expectation and our hope into something that is not eternal. And when we do that, we feel the disconnect, we feel that gap, we see it, we feel it. Or our comfort, I think in the Western world, comfort becomes a God to us. And so it's uncomfortable, <laughs> that's why we want comfort, okay? When we have to wait for God to move in our life, we have to wait for the person that God has for us, we have to wait for the correct job or wait for God to speak to whether we should move or not, wait for him to heal us. In the time and in the way he wants to heal us, a lot of times we do everything to bring us comfort. One of the things that I go to for comfort is Netflix. <laughs> I'm coming at you this morning, I'm so sorry. Okay, he came after me first, so I'm coming after you. I don't wanna be alone in it, all right? This is community, this is why we're together. <laughs> and so I see, I, whenever I'm like, God, I don't know where you are. I, I know you're fine, like, but there's so much going on in my life that I will binge watch Netflix night after night. 
And I found myself there last year where I wasn't sure, I wasn't really hearing ver- like as consistently from God as I thought. My life wasn't looking anything like I expected. At 31, 32, this isn't what I expected my life to look like. And so I was like, Lord, what, is this really what you have for me? I'm just, I want to make sure, okay, because I'm not, I, I, I was confused, and I was starting to put my hope, and I'm like, you know what, God, I know that you're good, but I just, like, need a little bit of comfort. You know that Holy Spirit is our comforter? It says that in Scripture. I always think of, like, a blanket. So if you're looking for comfort, ask for more of the Holy Spirit, y'all, and maybe a fuzzy blanket for Christmas. Like, I, it does wonders for me. That comfort that we go to to fill this gap of expectation versus our reality. We're like, we see this gap. We see the platform shift. And maybe it's even risen up a little bit. And we're like, I'm not sure about this. But what I am sure about is this comfort. These things that fill this void, fill the gap. Whether it's alcohol, pornography. television, politics, relationships, to fill this gap, to try and bring you hope, trying to give you purpose that only God can give. He is your creator, so he knows why he made you. And he has good things for you if we hand it back over to him, knowing that he promises us good things to come. The second thing is feeling the gap. Okay, so first, a lot of times we fill the gap, A lot of times we feel it. So the first one's external ways that we deal with this this block between expectation versus reality. The second way we do it is we literally internally feel the space. And in two ways that I've I've noticed that I do this, and, and in fear we pull back. And a lot of times this fear, if it's growing in us, it can create this anxiety in our lives. Worrying about something that may never happen. My dad always says, well, I worry because 95% of the time, everything I worry about doesn't happen. So obviously worrying works. <laughs> Shout out, Pastor Kurt. Thanks for teaching me good theology. Just kidding. <laughs> you guys, that's not truth. And so we're, we're, we're looking at these expectations and we're like, oh my goodness, like those are only bad things to come. This is the worst that could happen. And we start to overanalyze about something in the future because of our reality now that we're not trusting God, that he's going to take care of us. And so in the meantime, we lose our peace. And I think with anxiety, we lose our peace. And um, I don't know about you, but uh, have you ever been like scared? When somebody like scares you, it's Halloween, so this is actually brilliant okay but like somebody like scares you and you're just like oh my gosh like I gotta catch my breath like oh my gosh you just scared me so bad when we get anxiety we get this shortness of breath when I was um probably seven I would assume uh, I am a huge Packer fan sorry for all the Cardinals fans in the room any okay well (laughs) It's because I showed up to the game the other day. You're welcome, all Packer fans everywhere. Okay, so we were at the Packer game the other day. I am a diehard Packers fan, but I do love the Cardinals, so it's oddly kind of sad to watch them lose um, their undefeated streak, but at the same time, not at the sake of my team, y'all. So when I was younger, I'm from Texas, so being a Packer fan makes zero sense. None. And my dad's a Raider fan, so it still doesn't make sense. 
The reason I'm a Packer fan is because of this. Whenever I, I, we lived in Texas, we had seen tornadoes, we had seen them literally come across the farm at my, at my grandparents' place, we'd gone down in the storm cellar, so every time I saw dark clouds in the sky, I started to like freak out. I was a kid, I didn't understand like weather temperatures and forecast stuff, okay? I just assumed there's dark clouds, tornado, dark clouds, tornado. So I got this severe anxiety when I was younger. And um, my dad was a youth pastor back then at our church. And we had this huge gym and it had a tin roof and we were playing the Super Bowl on the big screen. Well, it was a projected Super Bowl on the wall. And all of the students were there, but it was storming outside, you guys. It was storming and I was scared out of my mind. And I'm running around the church trying to act like I didn't know that it was storming outside, but it's a tin roof, so like the rain was like pelting it. There was no escape. So I got a kitchen cart. You know those two-level kitchen carts? Yes? No? Okay. Okay, those two-level kitchen carts. So I pushed it out into the gym and I sat on the, on the lower level just like this, cross-legged as a little seven-year-old and I put my fingers in my ears and I watched that entire game without taking my eyes off of it, you guys. I was like, anything to make me not think about the anxiety that I have, I was watching football. I fell in love with Brett Favre. I fell, that's when he like won. So it was the Patriots and the Packers and the Packers beat the Patriots. Hallelujah. And Brett Favre takes off his helmet and is running through like this famous picture. And I fell in love with Brett Favre. I mean, a seven-year-old girl, okay? I was like, husband? Okay, I didn't understand that yet either. So, (laughs) and so I was like, okay. And then I was like, well, I'm a Packer fan then. I'm obviously a Packer fan. And then the next year, my dad taught me all about football. And they actually went to the Super Bowl the next year and they got beat by the Broncos. So to this day, I can't stand the Broncos. Did I hear it? Yeah, okay. I'm like, you know, maybe I should let go of bitterness along the way, but it's obviously something you guys could still pray for me over. So, <laughs> but what I did in that moment, in the anxiety that I was feeling, in the shortness of breath, I had to find something that was an escape for me because of this anxiety that even when we moved out here to Arizona, it actually took me a couple of years to lose that anxiety and know that actually we're probably not gonna have a tornado and go back to the truth that that's like actually not the thing. That's not what's gonna happen. And I think of the disciples actually when when I'm thinking of this because the disciples when Jesus was hung on the cross, They had followed him for a few years now. They'd seen him do miracles. They'd seen him show up. They'd seen him be with sinners. They had seen him be with Pharisees. He had spoken truth with authority. But then when Jesus was taken and he was hung on the cross with shame, our shame, where were the disciples? Hiding in the upper room. They were scared out of their minds, okay? They were scared. The women were there, I'm just saying, okay? But they were so scared. And they were up there in the upper room and they're just like, they're gonna kill us. They're gonna kill us. He said that he was the savior of the world. He said he was Messiah. I thought he was gonna come and we were gonna be his band, you know, like band of brothers up here. And so they're like, we, we get to sit at his right hand. Why, how, how is he gonna do everything he said if he's hanging on a cross? The expectation of Messiah did not match the reality of what they were seeing. And they became scared and anxious group 
of disciples hiding away in the upper room. But in Philippians 4, 4 through 7, I forgot to add it into the slides because there's a lot going on, but it reads this. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Believer, we don't have to be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So remember our verse, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. In Philippians 4, it literally says rejoice always. There's that joy. And the God of peace, this peace which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart. And anxiousness is a shortness of breath. It literally means that. Yet the Holy Spirit, it actually, this pneuma, he is breath. So if you're anxious today, breathe, take a deep breath. That's actually science as well. (laughs) To take deep, deep breaths. Holy Spirit, enter into this situation I don't have to have anxiety. I can bring it to you even whenever it looks like the worst will happen and I'm expecting the worst even based off of the current reality that I'm in. I know who you are and you say that I can rejoice in all things. I can have hope in all things and I can have a peace that transcends all understanding. And you know what's beautiful too is the the disciples in the upper room, do you know what the first word Jesus says to his disciples after he is resurrected from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit and he comes into the upper room through the wall, y'all. So that's pretty epic, okay? I feel like we just glance around. Halloween, okay, this is getting weird. All right, so he comes through the wall and what's his first word he says to them? Peace. Shalom. Peace be with you. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. If we have Jesus and we're clinging to Jesus, we have peace with us in all things. The second thing is that a lot of times when we feel the gap, there's this fear that happens. And when that fear happens, another way, it's not about the the fear of the expectation of things to come. It's this feeling that this hopelessness of there's no way that there's anything good ever to come anymore. And often this despair where we can't even see how, how things could get better is called depression. And a lot of times we can sense this gap, this expectation versus reality, and we're like, we can't even move. And I, we feel this in COVID. We feel this. Actually, the depression and mental health around the world has gotten worse because people are isolated. And actually, that's what happens a lot of times in depression is that we isolate ourselves from other people because we don't have the energy. We are exhausted. And, and you know what, too? I think a lot of times as believers, it's hard because we're like, we almost don't want to admit it. It's one thing if I tell you about the depression I had before I came to Jesus and I almost took my own life. But it's hard to talk about the depression that I had 12 months ago. 
as a preacher, as a leader, as a person in leadership and just being like, Lord, I can't, I'm, I'm just confused here. The, the reality I'm experiencing doesn't look like the expectation of what I thought my life would look like. And you start dwelling on those thoughts. And now I just wanna also say there's a lot of medical things that go with that. I know that, find those things out. 100% believe in the medication piece, counseling piece, all of that. But a lot of times this gap between expectation versus reality is we feel it. And I actually think of Elijah in 1 Kings 19. After he had called down fire from heaven and killed all the prophets, the false prophets, not the good ones, y'all. <laughs> and he had done all of these amazing things. And then just one word from the queen as saying that I'm going to kill you, out of fear, he ran. And he ran and he left everyone behind and he was isolated. And in that, he's like, Lord, I just want to end my life. Because this, like, I would, if I was Elijah, I'd be like, Lord, I did all of these amazing things for you. And you're going to let the queen come after me and try and kill me? I'm like, I can't, I have nothing else to give you. Like, and, and I would start to feel like, no, wait, wait, wait. The expectation is different than the reality I'm experiencing. So he runs into the wilderness and he says, God, just take my life. And God puts him to sleep. And it's my favorite thing. He gives him a snack. <laughs> he wakes him up, he gives him some bread. An angel comes and he ministers to him and he gives him bread, water, and then he sleeps again. Bread, water, sleep again. Bread, water, now get up and walk, exercise, okay? There's something in that story that some of us who are feeling these things just need to like take a break, rest, take a nap and eat a snack, as I like to say. Because the reality, our expectation, our reality is actually not as bad as what we're thinking in this moment. And, and Paul actually experiences this in 2 Corinthians 1. And we're gonna read that, um, whether you're in the scriptures or uh, in the Bible or on the screen. And he says this, and our hope for you, and this is Paul, and he's in, he's in prison, and he's speaking to the church in Corinth, and he says, our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we've experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then you may, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. So Paul's here and he's saying, this is to the point where Paul's like, literally we were in such despair because this isn't what, this is not what we want to be living in. To the point where I'm like, he, he just says, despaired of life itself. But we were allowed to be in that position so that we would rely on God. 
Some of you in here are experiencing a depression or a space in time where you're not feeling as if God's listening, as feeling as if God's hearing you, feeling if God is really a God of hope. And he's saying, rely on me, even if it doesn't feel, you don't feel like it, you don't see me moving. If you rely on me, this is the hope of the suffering that you're in right now, that it's not the end because hope is eternal. So when we hope in him, we have a way out of these things. So when your life doesn't look like what you expected or your marriage doesn't look like you expected or your children don't behave the way you were really praying and expecting or you didn't get the job you've expected. When you could have really used someone just saying, please mind the gap between reality and expectation. When you could have just used just a little bit of heads up of what you were about to go through. Jesus is our joy. Jesus meets us in the middle of our depression, in the middle of our despair. Believer, he is our joy when it doesn't make sense. And I would encourage some of you to have those hard conversations with God. If you want to ask him why, if you want to say, Lord, how, what am I learning from this? What do you want me to get out of this? I would encourage you to ask the question. Because when I, it wasn't until this year when I was going, this last year when I was going through all of it, that I finally asked the question, God, where were you when I was abused? Your scripture says that you are my protector, but I didn't feel protected. So my expectation of what you're saying and my reality didn't match up and it made me actually doubt him. It, and it was like, I know you're real, I know you're good, but why, why did I have to experience this? And as I had to journey and I went down deeper into my faith, and I will say that I am more sure of my faith now after asking that question than I was before. And I was pretty okay, you know? I was like, yes, God is good. He's these things and he can use all things for good. But that question made me dive deeper and say, you know what? He protected me from something. God in his goodness, because he's always that protector, that in that he protected me along the way. I have to choose to believe that this God of hope in the eternal, he can work all things in the brokenness we experience. If we give it back over to him, and when we give it back over to him, he trades our depression for joy. He gives us peace for our anxiety. He gives us hope for our hopelessness. Priscilla Shire says this. She says, your level of faith will always be tied to your perception of God. What is your perception of God today? This God of hope. Do you know this God of hope? Do you trust in this Jesus of hope? Because what we believe about God will be a direct correlation of how we trust in him. So what do you believe about God will help you in these spaces of expectation and versus reality of what you're experiencing? Jesus has peace for us and we can count on it. Psalm 39, five reads this, and it is one of my favorites. And it says, and now Lord, what do I wait for and expect? My hope and expectations are in you. So I also want to ask today, what, are your, what is your expectation in? 
Is your expectation in your spouse, is your expectation in your friends, is your expectation in your job or in your church, what are your expectations in? Because if it doesn't say anything other than Jesus or God in that space, you're gonna allow room for those expectations not to be met and doubt to creep in because we put those things, what happens to us in person, on God. But he says, I am your hope. You can expect things of me. We can expect Jesus to be the God of peace. We can expect Jesus to be healer. We can expect Jesus to be our redeemer. We can expect Jesus to be our savior. We can expect these things of Jesus. What we can't expect is how he's going to do it. When we release control of the how, this transcending peace will come over us so that when our expectation doesn't meet our reality, we can go back and saying, I know the God of hope. He is my protector. He is my salvation. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my peace. He is my joy. He is everything that I have to look forward to because you guys, this is not our home. Our hope should not be in anything around us, but in everything that is before us. His name is Jesus. And when we think of, and even whenever Jesus is saying, uh, in Hebrews 12, when we talk about how Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He has endured this shame. He has gone through all of this for the joy set before him. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. That joy is that we will be with him because of everything that he came and sacrificed for us. We will be with him one day. So whatever is going on around us, lift your eyes to the hope of glory. He has more for us so that, you know what? And it's not just for you. It's so that we may overflow with what? Hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. The disciples, once they saw Jesus, what were they doing? Going out and telling everybody what just happened. Sometimes when I think, uh, people are like, how do you know that Jesus is real? And there's a lot of ways you could go with that. (laughs) There's a lot of studying. There's a lot of things you could use. One of my favorite points is the fact that those disciples, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, was hiding. Jesus came in and met than where they were, shalom. They saw the Jesus resurrected. Their Messiah actually came through more than what they expected. Because he has abundantly more for us. That's his promise. And so they were willing to actually now die when they were afraid to die. Now they're willing to lay down their life because they met Jesus face to face. This overflowing hope that they're like, this isn't our home anyways and Jesus is real. I will lay down everything. And if the band can come up as we're closing this morning, If everyone can stand with me, we're going to pray and um, worship. If you're in a place where life is going great, I, we need you to share your testimony because some people are going through really hard times and they need to know that God is still the God of that joy and that faith and peace. Share your testimony. If you are going through a hard time, share that with someone so you know you're not alone in it. 
This is no, in no way condemnation. What I hope that this is, is an announcement over the intercom saying, just please mind the gap. Just be careful, because it's there. So how are we going to walk forward? How are we going to take those steps from the platform to the train? How are we going to move forward? This hopefully just, just calling that out, illuminating it, so that we can go back to the truth of who God is this morning. And as we sing, I just hope that we can just think through, and my desire, hope that, <laughs> my desire is that we think through these things of, of what these expectations we have on God or our lives or on other people, and we just say, Lord, I hand that over to you. I hand over the things that I'm filling the gap with. I, I hand over whatever it might be, whether it's... Um, relationships, alcohol, whatever it could happen, politics, the comfort, food that you go to, we lay that down because God's enough for us in those spaces. We lay down anxiety because if we're believers, we do not need to have, an, we, do, we, we actually don't even have to ever live there. And as a person who has to work through that often, as a person who has anxiety, I had to go back, may the God of hope fill me with joy and peace as I trust in him so that I can overflow with hope. There's another option, there's another way. And if you're feeling that depression this morning to lay down those feelings of the gap that you've been experiencing, that things haven't turned out the way that you thought they should or would or hoped for, Jesus wants to meet you in those moments and he has hope for you. He has so much for you that we can expect him to do so, but we must release the how to him in Jesus' name. So Heavenly Father, I just pray over this time, Lord God, I thank you for everyone um, in this room and online, Lord Jesus. I pray for those who need healing. We can expect you to be healer, Lord God. And so I pray over them right now. And I just um, thank you that you are a God who meets us in the gap. You are the God who promises peace, who promises us joy, who promises us that you are with us and you will never leave us nor forsake us. And we don't have to be discouraged no matter what we're going through. Lord, I pray an infusion of strength and in a reminding that we actually have hope in this thing, that this is not our home, this is not the end. You are coming back for us so we can lay all of these things down and we can work through these things with you. Because you have more for us. You promise us an abundant life. So Lord, infuse us with that as well. Breathe life into your church. May we break the chains of fear off of us. Let our faith arise to the mount that we're willing to step out and trust you because you've come through before, you'll do it again. And Lord, I pray for anyone in this space who does not know you, Lord God, I pray that you will move in their hearts and in their minds so that they can receive this peace and this joy and this hope that I've been talking about, Lord. You are the way maker. God, we trust you with it and we thank you for it. In Jesus' beautiful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together and then we will be dismissed.